Good morning. Hey, whether you're online or in person with us, God is good. Let's try it again. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Something new maybe for some of us. I'm going to say God is good. You're going to say all the time. All right, we got it. God is good all the time. time. He is so good, and uh, we are so glad you're with us today. It is Super Bowl weekend, and uh, yeah, some of you are pretty fired up and excited as there's a big game tonight. And uh, how many of you are Bucks fans? Got a few? Chiefs? Okay. All right. If you're online, drop it in there for the host to know which you are. And uh, here in this room, we're going to love each other either way, right? Uh, You know, as the game plays tonight, uh, there's a moment uh, years ago where a famous coach, Vince Lombardi, who who won five titles, walks into the locker room. And his team had not been playing well that particular game. And as the story goes, he walked in and he said to them, to the players sitting there, gentlemen, this is a football. (laughs) And what he did from there was remind them about why they were there. What are the basics? What are the things that make us who we are for them as a football team and players, but for us as the body of Christ? It is a big weekend for us, not because of a game. Should we try it? I didn't, I didn't prepare. My girl. <laughs> Good catch, honey. Uh, not because of a game, but because we start a series called This is Pathway. We're looking at what did Jesus call his church to be? Who are we supposed to be in the body of Christ? What does it look like and how does it function? And what does that mean for us? And I'm excited about it because many of those that would have heard, in fact, this early message from Jesus would have had their minds a little bit blown. They they would have been shocked and surprised at what was unfolding. You see, Jesus was inviting them to have purpose with him, community with him and with others, and to live on this new mission. They were to live as the sent ones that weren't just sent But we're on that journey with him, with the Holy Spirit. It was now a new adventure. But you can imagine they probably had some thoughts and questions, some different reactions and responses. And and so if you want, you could turn to Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28, we're picking up where Jesus began to say, basically, men and women, this is a football. This is what my church is and what I'm about. This is what I'm asking you to be about. And it comes on the heels of his death and their new awakening to his resurrection. I mean, can you imagine being these disciples that that had witnessed Jesus's death? They had witnessed him dying on the cross, their leader, their king, the Messiah, the one they had put their hope in, had literally been beaten within an inch of his life and then died, giving up his life on the cross. That was great love for us. The next few days would have created some sense, I'm sure, of bewilderment, confusion, chaos. What do we do? What's next? Where are we going? What are, what are we going to do? And it's in that moment that suddenly Jesus began to appear to some of the disciples. That that in fact, as he appeared as the resurrected Jesus, that the tomb, I'm pointing to this drum cage picture that this was the tomb. 
that in fact it was empty. So they had looked to the cross, and now the cross is empty. They looked to the tomb, and it is empty because Jesus was on the move. And this is the reality of God today. Jesus is on the move still, inviting us into this amazing journey with him. And so for us today, the question is, are, you know, where, where are you going? Where are we going? What is this going to look like? Let's pick up in verse 11. In fact, let's do something I've done here, I think, one other time. Uh, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. This is not an ordinary story, an ordinary book. This is God's authoritative, inspired Word. I'm going to read verses 11 through 29 verses. If your legs get tired, think of the game tonight. You're going to be okay. <laughs> Verse 11, Matthew 28. says, While they were going... Behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble." So they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, we, yes, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it has to say to us today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to be with us, to open our minds and hearts, that we would come alive in our faith, whether it's for the first time or the hundredth, set us in motion to follow you and to live on purpose in community, God, because you have so much more for us. Thank you, Jesus, that we are not alone, that you are with us, you are on the throne, and you are in your rightful place at the right hand. You are the one we look to. Have your way today, Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 So verses 11 through 15, hopefully you caught it. There was a conspiracy growing, chaos and confusion happening, that there were people literally saying, we're going to pay you off so you spread rumors about this Jesus. That in fact, we're going to say that, that he in fact didn't rise. And, and in that, in that chaos and confusion among that conspiracy, we're hoping to distract and divide to cast doubt, and to keep you away from this very Jesus. They were threatened by his existence because Jesus is counter to our earthly kingdom. Jesus came to establish a kingdom, and that kingdom is countercultural. When we begin to understand it and see it, it invites us to something so much greater, so much more than anything we can see or experience here on earth. And the amazing thing about Jesus is he actually brings clarity, clarity to us. 
And I want to sit in this for a moment and talk about this because for them, in, as they looked to Jesus, they began to have varying levels of clarity. Verse 16, now the 11 disciples, it said, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, so when they saw him clearly, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's interesting here that if you look back to the beginning of chapter 28, Jesus appeared first to some women that as they had clarity about his resurrection, they worshipped him. And here we're seeing the same thing, that, that some worshipped and some doubted. Now, I dug deeper into the meaning of the word doubted because I'm trying to understand this. If I knew Jesus, like put yourself in that day and age, right? You heard about this. Small town, rumors spread. Does that happen in Vero? (laughs) So rumors had spread about this Jesus that had died on Golgotha. and, And so I had heard about it, and now... He's standing in front of me. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, how do you doubt that he's alive when, in fact, he's standing in front of you? Well, we have to look at some of the original language. In the Greek, the language that the New Testament was written in, the word there for doubt actually conveys not a doubt in the existence, but actually what it means is a doubt in conviction and belief around whether or not, in fact, it's a hesitation and an indecision, not unbelief. So think about this for a minute. You and I can encounter Jesus and what he's doing, and we can have clarity about who he is, but we can still be in a place just like they were where we're choosing not to worship him But we're sitting in this place of indecision and not unbelief, but indecision and hesitation. Waiting to make the the move that we know Jesus is asking us to make. It's interesting how when we get down to what is really being said, how it's like, whoa, that was 2,000 years ago, and yet it sounds really personal right now. Because how many times does God begin to give us clarity? And then we begin to doubt and hesitate. We begin to maybe not pull the trigger, obey in the ways that God is asking us to. We hold back. So let me ask you this question I've been asking myself a lot. Where is your focus? Where is your focus in this season? Is it on the things around you horizontally, whether it's in your home, in your church, our church, your community, our community, your country, our country, well, however you want to frame these things, where is your focus? Because if it isn't beginning with Jesus and who he is, you're going to likely find yourself living in a state of chaos and confusion indefinitely. Because when we come to Jesus and we see who he is, what he offers us, he gives us a clarity that brings direction. That in fact, his clarity begins to say, here's the direction I have. And hey, it may be hard and you may be still hesitating, but if you'll just take that next step with me, I've got you. If you'll just take that next step with me, 
I'll make it happen. It's amazing that actually in Scripture, Jesus is the one that initiates and makes things happen. The Spirit moves and we respond. We don't have to manufacture it. Like, can you just breathe easy for a moment, right? And just like, oh my goodness, I've been trying to figure it out and do it on my own. And God's saying, I want to do it with you. I, I want to help you. I, I want you to follow me. As you think about this pathway, who are we? There's a story of a sculptor, Michelangelo, that when he unveiled the statue of David, they asked him, how did you come up with this? How did you, you know, make this beautiful work of art that still lasts today? They asked him in that moment, how did it happen? And he said, I just looked at it and I brought out what was already there. I chiseled away what was already there. And I got to tell you, the mission that is ours, I believe, was already here. This isn't me coming in with something. This is me saying, this is what I see. This is what I believe God has called us to together because he actually laid it out for us in the scriptures. It's his mission. So let me unveil it to you, those of you that haven't picked up on it yet over the last few weeks. Our mission for the foreseeable future is loving God and loving all people in our pathway. Come on, church. If Jesus can make it that simple, so can we. Loving God and loving all people in our pathway. And that's both within the church, our pathway, and it's out there in our pathway as God places people in front of us. People that he wants us to love and to share him with. It's good to have clarity, isn't it? It's good to have some direction. One of the things about direction is uh, when you're new to an area, uh, especially one that has a river, an ocean, an island, uh, lots of switchbacks, curbs that I swear are higher than Michigan's because I've hit a couple. <laughs> if you didn't know, I'm the, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 90 days. Yeah. yeah, next Sunday. And so I've never needed my Google Maps and my GPS more than here. And so it's interesting when I'm driving around and I have that on, it's giving me direction, right? And it feels comfortable, it feels good, like, you know, that, that little Siri voice, turn left, turn right, you know, and there's no anxiety in that voice, like, it's just, it's clear, it's peaceful, if I do it, it'll go well. And yet around here, I, I won't tell you what provider I have for cell phone, but they're working on it is what I found out which I think is like code for we just want to keep your business. Because I went in and I'm like, I keep getting calls dropped. And more importantly, my map drops me. And so then I'm driving aimlessly. Like, and it's getting better. I am learning my way around town. Uh, and and I'm, I'm probably about 70% there. But that first month or so with no clear direction and a dropped data service, oh, it was scary. Y'all, I did end up going down a one way the wrong way. I'll admit it. And, and I, I, I dipped into that parking lot so fast. I don't, I don't know what they were offering or what service it was, but it was going to be mine in that moment if it meant I was safe. So I just, woo. 
you know, when we think about like how God is saying to us, listen, as you follow me, you're going to love God and you're going to love people. And then I want to give you clear direction. I want you to understand who's in charge. When you understand who's in charge, you can understand who's with you. When you understand who's with you, you're going to listen to that guidance, that GPS that's pointing you and showing you not just who to talk to and where to go, but how to do the very things God has asked you to do. Do you know God cares about your daily job? That, that actually the God of the universe wants to show up in your work, in your retirement, in your role as a student, that actually the God of the universe that designed it all, like you talk about having like, you think having Google to take a test is helpful? Try having the Lord with you, available to you to give you direction. And this is part of what I think you'll hear in these next few verses as Jesus lays this out further for us. Verse 18, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority, say all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and I, I want to just sit there for just a second to let you know what this means. The go there is a... Uh, the tense is a verb, which actually in the original language would mean better translated as as you are going. It wasn't like if you decide to go or when you go. It was as you're going, as you're going about your daily life, as you're going about the things that are happening, as you go, he says this, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have committed to you. I want to point out to you a couple things that Jesus is saying as far as direction. He used the word all there three times. The first was in relation to his authority, that all authority in heaven and on earth was now present in Jesus. I'll come back to that in a second. The second one was he said that you're going to make disciples of all nations. That, that in fact, Jesus' movement in our world is meant to be shared across the world. That God is a God that, that wants his gospel to impact all nations. And in addition to that, the third all is this reality of obeying all things that I've taught you. Now, there are a few things that we may not like that Jesus taught. Actually, in history, one of our founders, Jefferson, it's actually a Jefferson's Bible, where he cut out the things that he didn't necessarily like or agree with in the Bible. Might be a problem with that. <laughs> you see, we don't get to pick and choose what parts of Jesus and his teaching that we agree with. Jesus is saying, listen, you're to come into alignment and agreement with everything I've taught. That in fact, it's all relevant, it all matters, and it all makes a difference. And that act of Coming in alignment with him is so key. 
So I was praying through this message. I could not shake that he said all authority. And I, I just think we live in a day and age where authority in government, in world leadership, is in question, under attack. Thank you, Pastor Brian, for saying, stating the obvious. And as that unfolds, there is earthly authority and then God's ultimate authority. And may we not miss that the attack on earthly authority is ultimately trying to eliminate any ultimate authority. That the real attack is on the idea that anybody would have ultimate authority over our life. And Jesus is saying all authority in heaven and on earth. We just came out of a a fast, 21 days. We finished last Sunday. Come on to eating some food. Y'all, I've been grubbing this week, all right? I need to get back on track tomorrow or... You'll have more of me in a month. <laughs> so it was, I mean, such a great season of watching God work and, and all things new. And, and as I thought about that, I'm realizing like, wow, what a moment. Because there was one of those in Jesus' life. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to show you that when he came out of a fast... When he came out of 40 days of fasting, there was an attack on his life, his calling, and some temptation thrown in front of him. Verse 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Goes on to say, the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the first of the temptations. And in all three temptations, God, Jesus, replies with a response from God's word. Because he understood that this word, God's word, is authoritative. So he responds to the attack with clarity and direction and this sense of this is the authority in my life. Goes on in verse 8. Again, the devil, it says, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I want you to think about this for a minute, what's happening. The devil is tempting Jesus and saying, listen, if, you, if you'll fall down and worship me, if you'll fall into my ways, I'll give you everything you see here on earth. I'll give you earthly authority. Jesus' response is with the authority of God's word. And when we show up in the picture and in the scene and in the story in Matthew 28, what Jesus is saying is, listen, the enemy tried to distract me. The enemy tried to feed me a lie that got me off of the mission. The enemy tried to get me to buy into earthly authority and not to God's ultimate authority. 
And here I am, Jesus said in verse 18 and 19, to say all authority in heaven on earth. I just wonder, as we hear that Jesus faced that, what that means for our life. How many of us are being tempted by the enemy that there's this little voice or whisper that, hey, if you, if you trust this way or do it this way, if you follow this group or have this opportunity, that you'll get what you want on earth when God is saying, no, 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 hold up. I'm still in charge. Jesus is saying, I have all authority on heaven and on earth. And so when he says this is the game and the way to play it, which, by the way, this is the difference between the Super Bowl tonight, none of you, to my knowledge, are going to be playing in that game tonight. I wanted to so bad as a kid, right? We dream, we aspire, we hope, we work hard. None of us are going to be playing in that game tonight. Again, to my knowledge, I don't know who's watching online right now. But, but here's the reality. Jesus is saying, listen, my game, the game that I have for you, I'm inviting you not just to watch it, but to engage in it. That you would play this game, that you would get involved in, and participate. See, Jesus has given him clarity, direction, and then inviting them to engage I can remember when I got engaged to my beautiful bride, Cindy. Been married 19 years. Come on. That engagement was not just about a wedding date, but a life together. That engagement wasn't just about a moment of, hey, we're going to get married. We'll have some great pictures for Instagram and Facebook, which didn't even exist back then, by the way. But it was about a life together. And this is what Jesus is saying to them is, listen, if you understand my authority, you understand my invitation, I'm inviting you into a life with me. And to not just watch it, but to participate in it. So the second piece to what's going on here at Pathway is our discipleship pathway. Let me show you this quickly because we'll be breaking it down in the weeks ahead in this series. It's the idea of connect, grow, and serve. We connect with God and with others in our weekend services. That means that when we come here, it's not just about you and, and God, but it's about how are you connecting with those around you too. If you come in and you're a visitor, take your time connecting with God, but eventually we hope you connect with others too. Amen? Secondly is we want to grow with God and with others in discipleship relationships. These are going to happen through groups and classes uh, they're going to happen through mid-sized gathering, women's ministry, men's ministry. I believe much of this is going to get moving in this next season because people are going to say, I'm ready to serve, I'm ready to lead, I'm ready to see God move. He invites us to engage. This is not about programs. Programs are a vehicle for people. People are what Jesus is all about and what we want to be all about. Amen? Amen. Third is we want to serve with God and with others at Pathway and beyond. So it begins here, but leads us into how we serve and reach out in our community, how we serve and reach out beyond our community to all nations. 
And so when we think about this, God is saying, hey, I'm ready. I've got the authority. You don't need to be afraid of what's going on. I just need you to get in step with me. I need you to follow me. I need you to do that not in your own strength and not just alone, but with the people around you. All right, church, we'll get there. And so this is a lifestyle of what it means to be a disciple. Because essentially what Jesus is getting at in this passage is you're to be a disciple. You're to be somebody who is actually following Jesus. So let me give you the definition of a disciple. Very simply, disciples are committed followers of Jesus. Now, if you're taking notes, circle committed follower of Jesus. All three words. Because in America, and probably in much of society where this, a message like this is received, but especially in our country, we don't like commitment, we don't like to follow, and we're pretty unclear about Jesus in our current culture. Yes? And so when you think about what Jesus is saying, is he's saying, listen, I'm inviting you. I have all authority. I've got this incredible game I want to play and, and this movement I want to unfold. And you are not just to believe in me, but to follow me. To make a commitment to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and obey him. I'm going to follow Jesus and, and trust him. I'm going to follow Jesus in whatever ways he's asking of me. Warren Worsby in his commentary on this passage says this, the term disciples was the most popular name for the early believers. This is what they were known as. It wasn't known as this church or that church or this community or that. It was disciples. Being a disciple meant more than being a convert or a church member. Apprentice might be an equivalent term. A disciple attached himself to a teacher, identified with him, learned from him, and lived with him. He learned not simply by listening, but also by doing. Hello, church. If all you do is listen today, you will determine whether or not this was a good message, similar to how you watch The Voice or American Idol. When Jesus is saying... And I believe has always said, listen, regardless of the quality, I apologize, right? Regardless of the quality, the invitation is to listen and to do. To listen and to allow it to affect our being so it changes what we're doing. And check out what he says here that disciples do in verse 19 and 20. So where we'll finish today. He says, go therefore, again, as you're going, it's lifestyle Christianity. It's a lifestyle. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When you think about this, it's about being with God in a way that says, I'm going to obey him. Dallas Willard has written extensively on discipleship. One of his books, he says this, the late Dallas Willard, actually. 
He says, so is his disciples. I am not necessarily learning how to do special religious things, either as part of full-time service or as part of part-time service. My discipleship to Jesus is within clearly definable limits, not a matter of what I do, but of how I do it. And it covers everything, religious or not. What this means is, you're a disciple tomorrow, wherever you find yourself, if you're a committed follower of Jesus. This means how we live and lead and love others when we're out away from here actually is a part of our discipleship. It's not just what we hear in here, it's what we are doing and applying out there. And this is where, like, at some level, I'm sitting with you because that's on me too. If I'm not living it during the week and doing what Jesus taught, I'm missing the mark as a disciple as well. But it's also exciting to think about that no matter what your vocation or even what you're serving or putting your hand to in retirement, Jesus wants to show up in it. That there actually is no religious and non-religious in Jesus because he's sovereign over it all. Now that does mean that, yeah, there's some places that are a little bit darker than others. Amen? But God is sovereign and is saying, I want to be a light. I want to I shine through you. I want you to follow me wherever you find yourself. And so two things that are pointed out here. One is baptism. If you've not been baptized, guess what? It was good enough for Jesus. I'm pretty sure it's good enough for us. I had a friend uh, about 15 years ago that was leading youth. Uh, He was in his 30s, and and he realized that in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was baptized. And if Jesus was baptized as an example for us, that, that he, in fact, is in good company if he chooses to be baptized as an adult, as a believer in Jesus. I want to encourage you, whether you're online or here, right now hearing this, if you've never been baptized, to to actually realize that's part of the deal. That, That to follow Jesus is to say, as I go under the water, my old life is gone. It's over. As I come out of the water, I've been resurrected like Christ. I'm not perfect, but I'm following him. I'm committed to him. Amen? And so if that's you, drop us a note online or shoot us an email at hello at pathwayvb.com. We're getting ready for a COVID-friendly baptism sometime here in the near future. You flood us, we'll respond. We want us to respond to what the Spirit is doing. But the second thing is maybe you've been baptized and guess what? You're not off the hook. Because Jesus said he's getting at our obedience in all things. And so where are the areas that that he's saying, hey, I want you to obey me with this. I want you to trust me with this. The amazing thing about this is as we figure this out, there's this reality that he says, go and make disciples. He doesn't say, Pastor Brian, go and make disciples. He doesn't say the staff or the ministry leaders or the preacher you watch online or listen to their podcast He's saying to all of us that are committed to following Jesus that we are called to go and make disciples. That we're all in it together. 
And, and that reality is this idea of each one reaching and teaching one. And you're sitting there and going, well, I don't teach, so boom, I'm out. I don't have the gift of evangelism, so boom, I'm out. No. He's saying, listen, it's for all of us. And so when we think of teaching in this context, it's sharing Jesus. You share what you know. You, you teach people what you know, and as you learn more, you teach them more of what you're learning. And as that unfolds, your story and what you do know about Jesus in his sovereignty will impact the people in your pathway, the people around you. There's an adventure ahead. And I got to tell you, that last part has encouraged me so much. He said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This isn't on us to do it alone. God is with us. Something happened in Tampa this year. Something happened because a team that nobody expected to be in the Super Bowl is there. I haven't done a whole lot with this, but I'm a big Michigan fan. And the GOAT is playing tonight. We can debate that later. Something about Tom Brady, maybe some other personnel changes, changed the way they played the game. Just his sheer presence of being with them in one year has got them into the Super Bowl. Fair? What would happen if we realized, setting aside that, what God's saying to us? that I am going to be with you, that as you go and as you live this way and do this way, I am with you, and if you'll get in lockstep with me, you will see things you never saw coming because our God has miracles in a movement that I believe is still unfolding in our world today. I'm excited because this is pathway. This is what he's inviting us into. Three next step questions for you to finish today and for you to wrestle with. The first is, will you find time to worship and recognize Jesus as you go this week? As you go, as you walk through your day, will you find a way, whether it's turning on worship in your truck cab? My daughter recently said, Daddy, there's a lot more trucks in Florida than in Michigan. I said, I know, honey, I want one. <laughs> So even in, the in your truck, like what does it look like for you to take moments to worship as you go? Because he'll give you the clarity you need to follow him. Secondly, are you responding to Jesus through baptism and obedience? What does that look like in your life? To even be reminded maybe of your baptism and what it meant. And that we are to obey him in all things. And third, and this may be for some of you the moment that matters the most today. Who can you reach and teach this week with what you know? Not what you've thought you didn't know. Hey, I'll wait till I figure it all out because guess what? None of us are going to figure it all out this side of heaven. But we'll keep coming back to his word, coming back to his authority, and he'll give us the guidance we need each and every step. So what does this look like in your life? I'm going to pray us into responding, and we are going to blow the roof off this place. We're singing a song called Raise a Hallelujah, 
And I'm inviting you to say, yes, yes, we want to lift up Jesus and raise a hallelujah. That there would be something sparked in us that couldn't be contained and would be a part of what God is saying. Where are you going? I hope you're going wherever Jesus is leading you next. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you, God, for what you are doing here. We want to raise a hallelujah today to say, God, you are on the throne. You are in authority, and we want to worship and follow you. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to do that with you and with others. I just pray that as we praise and worship you, that your spirit would move among us. If there's somebody who doesn't know you, Father, may they respond to receive you. Father, if there's somebody that's been carrying something on their own, may they lay it down at the altar and know that you're the God who picks us up. Father, we love you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's stand and worship him. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Ooh, I raise a hallelujah. My way. I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will
about what God is going to be doing in this season. Amen? This is pathway. This is what he's calling us to. And uh, if you're a visitor, please connect with somebody. We have a gift for you right out those doors at our Welcome Center. If you're online, our host uh, would love to connect with you as well. Giving is an act of worship. I'm telling you, when you start to realize that God is faithful, when we put him first with our finances, he touches and blesses. And so I want to encourage you to give, whether it's online or in person through the boxes, uh, or you could text to give as well. Uh, That's another avenue. Here's my hope. I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to encourage you. We've been noticing this for a few weeks now. When we finish, there's often moments and, and pockets of maybe prayer up here. The altars will stay open. But there's pockets of community happening. Let's continue that. Let's see that grow. Because you know in the early church, Do you know what was contagious in the early church? If you look at Acts chapter 2, if you look at John 13 and what Jesus said, it was when community, authentic community began to happen. That people said, I'm experiencing something different in community than what I'm seeing in the world. I want to be a part of that. So linger for a moment. Get to know some people. Love everyone in our pathway. Amen. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for an incredible day today. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are, that your death and resurrection invites us into life with you and with others in your church. Father, as we walk forward, I pray that we would connect and grow and serve, that you would move in a mighty way. Light the fire, Father. If we're... maybe feeling a little lukewarm, I invite you to light the fire in our walk with you. Fan into flame the gifts that you have in this church. Father, we pray that as we follow you, we would make disciples and follow you wherever you take us. We love you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.